Welcome to the Intentifiers podcast. I'm your host, Jody Rye, bringing to you stories of intent from folks looking for more humanity in their workplaces through the lens of intentionality. Thanks for tuning in. Today, my guest, who I'm super excited to be speaking with, is Kristen Bauer. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Jody. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So, you know, given the climate and the world that we're in and the space that you're in around diversity and inclusion, um, I, I feel giddy, but also just so curious <laughs> and excited to be speaking with you. Um, so thank you for being here. I am, Before we, we, we go into your, your story of intent, um, what are some slices about yourself that you'd like to share with the audience? Oh boy, slices of myself. Let's see. Um, well, I, I am. I guess I'll start with. Maybe it's the obvious. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm truly, I'm truly passionate about diversity and inclusion and equity, and creating healthy and happy communities and workplaces. I mean, that's why, that's why I do the work that I do is because I care so deeply about it. Mm. And um, you know, I think that. This is, I'm so excited that we're having this conversation because it's so timely, Yeah, you know, no and, and to be able to, yeah, to be able to explore some of these topics that are a little bit scary, not a little bit, they're very scary, they're very unsettling, uh, but I also feel really positive because we've got an opportunity, an opportunity to create something better. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm hearing that quite a bit in terms of uh, individuals talking about, of course, the pain and the hurt and the, you know, the frustration mm-hmm. over the years for for marginalized communities, especially for 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 Black humans and Indigenous humans, uh, uh-huh. and so you, you you we we know that that exists. The evidence is there. The facts are there, and then the the real hopeful tone, um, the the messages of solidarity, the visual protests of solidarity. There is this sort of uh, hope. I I sometimes feel like I I want to be in a utopia environment. Um, but I feel like if I don't do that, then, um, you know, mental health wise, and for many other reasons, you you lose hope, right? So Uh I I, I appreciate you you talking in that way, especially because I'm sure in your work, you've seen a a lot of heartache or, or, or or needing to provide safe spaces to have these, these Uh kinds of conversations with the lens of how can we make it better or that, Uh you know, or that it's possible to make it better. And so, so with that passion that you've shared around the work, um, I'm curious about, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, your story of intent as it relates to Uh that, what, what took you to this, to the space of diversity and uh, and inclusion? Thank you for asking that. It's, um, you know, I'm frequently asked as a diversity and inclusion consultant, you know, how did you come to this work? What, you know, why, why do you do it? And so for me, I've worked in human resources uh, just over 20 years now, and I kind of stumbled into it. I say stumbled into it because I was one of these, I don't know, crazy people that just thought workplaces should be fun, and I should feel, if I'm going to go to work, I should feel like I'm part of something, and and then that just kind of led me along the, the HR path, and of course, I got into human resources and realized it was much more than just you know loving where you work. There's a lot that goes into it. But it wasn't really until about nine years ago when I went through a really significant change in my life, um, significant challenge in my life, I should say. I was experiencing a major depressive episode. Mm-hmm. And I was truly at a point, a really dark place, actually, Jody, where I was questioning the purpose of my life, the point of my life, 
why am I here? How does this matter? Why does it, does it matter? This darkness that I'm going through. And at the time I was working as an HR generalist, I was working in a really amazing organization, a top employer and surprise, uh, my manager just didn't know how to support me. Mm. Uh, that, that HR manager just didn't really understand how to support somebody with an invisible disability mm. uh, and, and specifically somebody with a mental health challenge. So uh, the reason why I share that is because as I'm going through this really dark time and I'm really questioning all of these things in my life um, and what the point and purpose of my life are, there was a part of me, a little small percentage of me that thought, okay, Kristen, you know what? You are an HR professional by, by trade, by profession. So maybe what you're experiencing, other people might experience, maybe you can take some of what you're learning and once you're, you're healthy and well again, that you can apply it in the workplace. And I'll tell you, Jody, that was a really pivotal point in my life when I decided that, yes, there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, there was a lesson to be learned. And if I could take my experience uh, that was really, really difficult and probably the, the hardest thing I've gone through in my life and do something positive with it, that I could perhaps create a little bit of positive change for other people in the workplace who might be struggling with mental health challenges. And so at that point, I started to search for uh, an organization that I could volunteer with. And I began working with Partners for Mental Health out of Ottawa at the time and started to really become an advocate for mental health awareness. I uh, started to speak really publicly about it, both in the workplace and in my life. But also, uh, I would go out to different organizations and talk about it. And that you know, really put me on the path of diversity and inclusion. And at the time, I didn't really know what that was. I just knew that I wanted to do something. And even nine years ago, we weren't really talking about it uh, in the workplace as, as we are now. And uh, I, I also decided that I was going to pester uh, a director within my organization and say, hey, you know what, you need to put me in this area of the business. This is what I need to be doing. Uh, and eventually he did. And uh, so for the last seven years, I've really focused um, around diversity and inclusion and, and what can I do to create a positive impact within the workplace? Mm. Because we do know there's a lot of research that uh, organizations that are not just diverse, but inclusive of diversity uh, have higher employee engagement, uh, better ability to respond to local and global markets, uh, can, they can respond to it uh, in a more effective and efficient manner. And then all of this translates to a stronger financial bottom line. Mm. So it's actually win-win. It's good for employees and it's good for the organization. Yeah, no kidding. And there's there's so much so much richness that you've just shared. I'm not even sure where to, where to start. I'm thinking all these things <laughs> now. Um, I do want to thank you for being so candid um, in in sharing uh, sort of what spurred this this new path for you in terms of your career and impact that you're wanting to have on the world and in the work that you're doing. Um, you know, I think what's interesting to me is that when we talk about diversity and inclusion, mental health for sure is in there as part of diversity and, yeah. and how to be more inclusive. But I really love what you said about um, all of us don't have the answers. And surprisingly, even the, yeah. even the quote unquote subject matter experts like someone yeah. in HR may, yeah. may not have the answers. Um, and, I, and I wonder if sometimes that's because 
of a, a number of things, but also the visual piece that you described, you know, duty to accommodate or human rights mm-hmm. when it's in front of you, the color of somebody's skin or a, a, yeah. a physical um, a disability. Or, you know, I remember having to work with an employee in a case where the individual um, only had one arm and what mm-hmm. that looked like in terms of duty to accommodate and supporting that individual. Yeah. Um, and I really just wanted to highlight that I really, you know, the fact that your story includes such a heavy component and a meaningful component of your path as it relates to mental health and the invisible is, is so important. So I, I just think it's, um, it, it's interesting because to be honest, I, when I was, I'm a fan of yours, as I've shared already, and I was thinking about diversity and inclusion and speaking with you, the connections that I see happening around the unseen and how that sure. needs to be incorporated in the workplace is happening way more now, as you said, yeah. than they, it was happening nine years ago, let alone yeah. 20 years ago. Um, yeah. And that sort of leads me to the, to, to a question or a thought. So I, I agree with you that I feel like diversity maybe, you know, and there's that famous quote, I don't know who said it around diversity is a fact and inclusion is a choice. Um, mm, I love that. Yeah, and I don't know who said it. I know it wasn't me for sure. I, I actually heard it from, <laughs> from I actually heard it from another manager, and I said the same thing. I'm like, oh, I love that. And I was thinking about you know, given the background that you have in human resource management and what you were seeing happening maybe 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and what spurred your personal um, choice to to shift in terms of impact. Where do you see organizations now in terms of their understanding and incorporation of things like diversity and inclusion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's such uh, this is so. This is what I find really fascinating about the field that I work in: equity, diversity, and inclusion. It's constantly shifting. So nine years ago, we really weren't talking about mental health in the workplace. Mm. Um, now we've reached uh, what I think is a pretty significant tipping point, especially with COVID-19 and the global pandemic. And we've seen an impact, a really negative impact on mental health. And so that's having an impact personally, but also in the workplace. So more organizations are talking about it. I actually started to do a lot of work around, uh, I did a lot of, I delivered a lot of webinars and mental health training. Uh, basically about two weeks after COVID started, uh, mm. all my clients were reaching out about it. And five years ago, we weren't talking about uh, gender identity and mm. transgender to the extent that we are today. And then, of course, you know, we started to see with COVID, we started to see an increase in awareness around racism. And I would say an awareness of racism, probably with white people, because, you know, uh, people of color, black people, uh, experience this on a fairly regular basis. It's white people who don't see it and experience it on a regular basis. So we were starting to, to see a lot of racist, um, actions towards people of Asian heritage Mm. because of the virus. And then of course, unfortunately, the, the horrific murders in the U S that, um, really lit a fire under the Black Lives Matter movement, reignited that that movement. And so now organizations are wanting to talk a lot more about things that six months or a year ago they didn't want to talk about, Jody. Mm. You know, I worked with a client. I was doing unconscious bias training with a client about a, just over a year ago, and I used the word privilege once in, in one slide 
And the client asked me to take it out because they felt that that would be too triggering. (laughs) And yeah, and it was disappointing to me. I will say it was disappointing and it was an opportunity for me to try and coach them. Ultimately, they didn't want the word in there. Mm. But how do we have conversations about anything important if we don't, if we're not willing to be even a little bit uncomfortable? Well, yeah, and we see so much of that now, as as you mentioned, the current climate that we're in. Yeah. The, and I've heard the terminology before, brave spaces or having courage and being uh-huh. okay with being uncomfortable uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And, and recognizing that there is there is a lot of sort of prep or a, a careful holding or, or a creation yeah. of a vessel that does feel safe, you know, whether you want to call that yeah. psychological safety or, or, or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. You know, and I've also heard terminology around privilege where uh-huh. you know, I'm, I'm Punjabi Sikh and my skin color is, I guess, brown, like tan, sand, brown, or whatever you want to call it. But, uh-huh. you know, but I've heard, you know, uh, again, with the current climate, brown privilege. And I, I had the, the privilege of, of actually being a, a, a participant on a panel conversation yesterday where one of the speakers, um, I think is Canadian, but she's a, a black woman lawyer uh-huh. and she uh-huh. spoke about her own privilege uh-huh. and and I felt that that was yeah. extremely insightful and possibly yeah. enlightening for all of us that were on that broadcast yes. you know and and in a way that they I'm for sure they didn't think of it you know she's a black woman talking about uh-huh. privilege and but yet she was very candid and honest about that in in the sense that you know she came from a two a two parents that were very well educated you know, so, so that, that privilege with yeah. that privilege came her ability to, for education and all these kinds of things. And so the, the, the triggering part in the safe space, I think is extremely important. Um, and so I'm really happy that you highlighted that. I'm also curious about, um, the, the, the color conversation and, um, yeah. the fact that you are a white woman, uh-huh. in the equity, uh-huh. diversity and inclusion space. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm, what what's that been like? Whether that be you know when you started down this journey, or even possibly yeah. now in in the current climate. Yeah. So I am a white, middle aged, heterosexual woman of a certain socioeconomic status. My parents are still married. I didn't have any childhood trauma, uh, and so when you start to talk about um, you know who gets to, who gets to be involved in these conversations. I believe we all have to have, we all have to have a seat at the table. Mm. Um, what it, where we have to navigate it and be really self-aware and humble is being aware of, you know, who's, who, who's the expert on the subject or the topic and who isn't. So one of, this is actually a lesson that I heard, that I learned maybe about three or four years ago from a really good friend of mine and a former colleague, um, And so this person said to me, and this was a big aha moment for them. So this person was in a room with uh, a lot of leaders in, and this is before the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, but it was a lot of um, social justice people in, uh, who are black, who do a lot of work in that space around race. And my friend was so excited to be in this room. This, my friend is a white person. And was so excited to be in the room and thought, oh, this is an opportunity to, like, to, to share my thoughts and, uh, and to really engage in conversation. And, and so they did. When they were leaving with another friend, they said, oh, my gosh, that was so amazing, that conversation. And the friend said to them, 
next time you need to listen more. And, and so my friend, which I'll, I'll um, call Joe, <laughs> was actually kind of a little bit like, what? Oh my God. And then felt awful that maybe perhaps I'd not acted appropriately in that, uh, in that environment and was probably a little bit upset and maybe a little bit hurt and angry. But on reflection, they walked away and thought, oh yeah, it wasn't about me Mm. as the white person in the room. It was as the white person in the room, it was up to me to be quiet and listen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I'll, what I'll say is that, um, there are, there's a time and a place for me to speak. There's a time and a place for me as a white woman to just shut the heck up (laughs) and listen, right? And to maybe ask questions, but also to be very respectful that it's not, for example, it's not up to uh, a black person or a person of color or a member of the LGBTQ plus community or an indigenous person to educate me on their experience. Mm -hmm. I need to do that work. Um, And so, you know, I have clients ask me all the time and I have a consulting partner and she's also a white, heterosexual, middle-aged woman. And we've had clients ask us, point blank, why, you're two white women, why would we hire you? And, and so, you know, it's not necessarily a simple answer. It needs to be the right fit. But I will also turn away business, or not turn away, but, you know, I had a client come to me recently to say, hey, Christian, we'd really like you to, to um, host this dialogue on race. And we want you to, like, actually share information about it. And I said you want me just to facilitate a conversation, I can do that because it doesn't mean that I'm talking means mm-hmm. I'm holding space for other people. But if you want somebody to actually share information about what it's like to be a person of color, I'm going to refer you to my colleague over here. who's an amazing expert in that area, but I'm not the right person to, to do that work for you. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, you know, yeah, I think that's, um, um, uh, what I love about that is the intention you know, that, you know, you, yeah. and, and really where you can best serve, you know, coming from a place uh-huh. of authenticity. And so, like you said, it's a great example where your intent is to support and help organizations. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to be putting thoughts or words um, uh, or speaking for you. But you, you started the story about speaking about your own mental health anguish and, uh-huh. and, and journey. And so I'm sure yeah. if you're being approached by clients to speak to mental health, You've yeah. got, you've got a story you can share. Um, yep. you know, I also get the idea, but if you're looking for clients or clients are coming to you, um, you, you said it can be the, the right answer. And, and I get that it can't just be, well, I'm awesome. So of course you're going to want to hire me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mean, I, I do think that of you. So I, but I, I get that it, there's, there has to be some mindfulness and some, yeah. you know, like yeah. what, what's the impact here that, that you're hoping or that the client is hoping for. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the, the example you've just provided is really great because it shows that there does have to be intention in everything that we do, or at least, yes. at least that's my hope, right? It's part of why yes. I'm doing this podcast is here, you know, the client is looking for X and I'm really good at facilitating and can have and, and, and provide a space. And if you're wanting to talk about mental health, I can do that. But if you're uh-huh. looking for a lived experience of yeah. someone of color or even, a, a, you know, women in terms of, you know, pro- professionalism or the wage gap or whatever the case might uh-huh. be, uh-huh. that, you know, I can do that. But then also yeah. um, being selfless, Kristen, is sort of where I, I, I think of in terms of your example where I, 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 I can serve you there, but not here. And so therefore, yeah. maybe try that. And I just want to thank you for that because I think we don't always hear that sort of 
camaraderie, I, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel I feel like it goes to yeah. where you know y- you can have the most impact and to truly live the life that you're trying yeah. to live. Would that be fair yeah, to say? I would say that's very fair to say. And and for me, um, you know, one of my values is integrity. So when I when I when my consulting partner and I are working together, we and I know a lot of people think, well, integrity, good. Everybody should have integrity. But I'll, I'll tell you, Jody, we always go back to that. It's like, does this feel right? Is this the right work that we should be doing? Mm. Um, and so we are not afraid to call on a colleague who has lived experience or has expertise in that area. We're, we're trying to come from a place of abundance, yeah. that the right work will come to us. And we'll be, you know, it, it'll be the right partnership at the right time. And and it is very intentional and, and it's about really listening to what that client needs in terms of advice and support around equity, diversity, and inclusion, because it it's not, a, these are not easy subjects. Mm. And so we would be doing a great disservice if we said, yeah, we know everything and we're going to come in and we're going to fix everything for you because we don't know everything. We're also on our own learning journey, because as I said earlier, diversity, and inclusion, and equity, these are things that evolve constantly. Um, And I've found it super uncomfortable the last few months with everything that's been going on around Black Lives Matter, because I've been wrestling with what's my role, you know, as a professional in this space, where, when do, when do I need to shut up? (laughs) And when do I, how can I amplify those other voices more? You know, I like, I was doing that already, but I realized, yeah, there's more that I can be doing to amplify the voices of, of people who are truly experts in some mm-hmm. of these areas. I did see uh, I, um, a, a posting by Brené Brown where she, mm. she she talked about exactly what you just said in terms of how do I, as a white woman of influence in, in the spaces yeah. that she's in, amplify uh, mm-hmm. the equivalent in terms of power and influence of Black women. Um, and so I think she ended up doing a podcast under her new podcast with a Black yeah. woman. I, I forget if... Um, where her area of specialty was I feel like she's an author and her her platform was very is very strong on Instagram and so that the way the amplification took place was the podcast with Brenny Brown on her platform and then I think a live video stream on uh the the, the black woman's platform on oh, cool. on Instagram and I'm and I'm yeah. feeling ashamed to not even know that the, the black woman's name to be honest but I, I feel like she's a famous um uh, author and I know now I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna include her name in, yeah. in, in our in, visual, uh, virtu- visually speaking I'm gonna include the name because I, I wish I, yeah. I I remembered it uh, the ideas around abundance I just wanted to touch on that because as you were talking okay. I I felt uh, I just finished um, Deepak Chopra's 21 Days of Abundance Journey and yeah. and one of the days talked about um, karma or karma or karma, this idea about, mm-hmm. you know, what your, yeah. the, your energy and the connecting to the universe and all these yeah. sort of beautiful spiritual concepts. And as you were talking, I felt like that in terms of, well, mm-hmm. what, what I put out and my, and doing it with intent, um, mm-hmm. things will come as they, they will come, you know, like sort of trusting the universe. And, yeah. And I've sometimes struggled with you talked about values and I love that you said that, like, you know, if you're going to say it's an espoused value, cause you said it in yeah. integrity, yeah. how are you living it? So how are you uh-huh. enacting that? And so uh-huh. I often struggle in whether it's in this space or in general, when we talk about leadership and authenticity. Um, and I feel like I'm curious in terms of individuals with power, whether that be because of title 
um, uh-huh. or if it's, you know, hierarchy in an organization and what that's looked like for you in terms of movement and change in the equity and diversity and inclusion space. And I guess that what I'm wondering is, you know, how is it impacting organizations and, and, and or what's what have you seen your impact been? Is it grassroots? Is it everybody? Is it top down? So if you could uh-huh. speak to that a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And right now it's it's a little bit of everything actually. So there's a real grassroots movement. You know, employees are really pushing leaders and senior leadership in organizations because they've been so impacted by just the uncertainty of a global pandemic. I mean, like, let's not forget about that. <laughs> but also the, the injustice that we're seeing in the world. You know, the, the inequality um, by diversity, you know, by the sheer fact that your skin color is different from mine. So, you know, employees and consumers, everyone's watching organizations and saying, what are you doing? Mm. And don't just put like a black box on your Instagram or issue a statement because that's not enough. Mm -hmm. But we're also seeing through our consulting work, a lot of organizations where leaders are saying, yeah, okay, this is it this is our opportunity to really create positive change. You know, there's one client that I've been working with uh, to create an, an employee resource group. I've, we've been seeing a lot more of that. Organizations that don't have employee resource groups are starting them because employees are driving that. But this particular organization, it's the CEO that's starting it. And, oh, my gosh, that is powerful. When the CEO says, yep, uh, we are going to invest time, people resources, and money in an employee resource group. That sends a huge message to your organization. So it's it's not just employees that are driving it. I'm seeing it at all levels of an organization. Um, but, uh, you know, I will say that there are some organizations that uh, senior leaders still kind of don't get it. And that's those mm-hmm. are the organizations, I have to say, Jody, where they're almost all white men and that's not picking on white men i'm just saying that they don't necessarily see the imperative here yet Mm. because it maybe hasn't quite impacted them on a personal level yet well yeah i think that's just it as you were talking earlier and sharing um who needs to be at the table or who should Mm -hmm. be at the table um and and lived experience and so if yeah you know depending on on all of that and, and you know in in your own description you know i thought of intersectionality of course mm-hmm. and you think yeah. about the the discriminatory grounds and if you were to put a, a check yeah. mark next to where you fit um for some people it will be one or two for some it might be all um and so yeah their motivation will be triggered if not that's where their motivation is coming from mm-hmm. um or in some cases like you mentioned the ceo the the moral obligation is enough for them and, yes. and maybe they've yeah. already been living that now and their opportunity is just that much more available mm-hmm. because of the mm-hmm. you know we don't have a choice the pandemic is upon us without choice so virtual work yeah. uh, increasing activity around an awareness on mental health Mm-hmm. folks don't have a choice everybody's at home you know and if, yeah. they're, if they're not yeah. they could get sick um yeah and so maybe there's that silver lining piece um which I hate maybe saying it or thinking it that way because of the like you said the injustices the travesties the 
mm-hmm. just inhumane, inhumane treatment of fellow humans. Um, yes. But then there's that hope, right? I mean, you think about yeah. Dr. Martin yeah. Luther King and his speech, I have a dream. Yeah. If we if we don't have that mentality or mindset, I don't think we'd even see the protest to this day. I mean, that's the reason they're happening yeah. is there is that dream. There is that hope. Um, and so you talked, yeah. a, you talked a little bit about what you're seeing. Um, what, what else comes to mind in terms of maybe what you're seeing happening given the current climate or just your thoughts? I might've cut you off there. No, I, well, what I was just going to say is that, you know, what keeps me going is the examples, the really beautiful examples of the human spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, so what you're saying about like Martin Luther King, and I think about Viktor Frankl, mm-hmm. who survives the Holocaust and then went on to write um, some really inspiring words about, um, you know, the human spirit, resiliency. And so I think that, and this just goes back to my own experience. Like I have to always go back to that almost as a bit of a temperature check, Jody. So when I go back to that experience nine years ago when I was questioning my life, like, do I keep, you know, in the truest sense of the word, is there a purpose for me? Should I stay alive? You know, mm. um, it was to be realistic about the situation I was in. So I wasn't sugarcoating it and being like, okay, well, everything will be fine. But there was, there was hope. There was a light at the end of the tunnel. And so I had to search for those silver linings. And so for me, you know, just to go back to that experience, say, to go through a really difficult time and to say to yourself, there is a purpose to this and I'm going to use this experience to create something better. And so I think that's the opportunity right now is that, you know, we look at the global pandemic. We've seen a huge uptick in mental health issues for Canadians. Uh, You know, the Canadian mental health association statistics six months ago were one in five Canadians will experience a mental health challenge at some point in their life. Well, the Angus Reid Institute did a survey a couple months ago and released the, the findings that said that 50% of Canadians right now are struggling, that their mental health, uh, the quality of their mental health has, has decreased. So we're starting to see that impact. We're seeing the impact on the most marginalized in our society. So who are long-term health care? You know, our, our elderly, how we treat our elders in our society mm. needs to be improved. And boy, there's... There's some beautiful lessons that we could learn from indigenous people. Yeah. You know, how they revere their elders is pretty beautiful. Yeah, it is. Even the connections uh, I've been finding in, in, as you said, needing to, to listen and, and learn more. I, I'm in the same yeah. group for sure. I mean, I'm a talker, so I need to shut up a lot more. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I remember in a, in a learning environment when I was in school, I actually was quite shy growing up. I never even used to ask questions in, in high school or even university. Um, and when I was doing my, my master's, one of the real uh, gifts of, of feedback that I received was, Jody, how will you allow for space for others? Um, and I thought that was a, yeah. a beautiful coaching question. And I've been thinking yeah. a lot about that question of late in terms of it's not it, this isn't about me and my story. And, uh, and uh-huh. you know, and even the sort of ethocultural kind of conversations around, uh, well, I'm I'm the good you know immigrant or I'm the model, right. you know, I, uh, ethnic, right. ethnic culture and is sort of what that looks like. And, and the reality of that that exists. I mean, I heard racist comments and I've seen racism 
um, of, 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 of blacks, of indigenous people by my own people. And so mm-hmm. there's that sort of learning that needs to happen for sure in yeah. that space. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate you sort of bringing that up and talking about it in that way, for sure. Um, I lost my other thought in terms of what we were talking about. <laughs> you, <laughs> there was something else um, that you said. What was it that you said? Oh, around the movement and oh, it was around the indigenous, um, the, the 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 revering of of elders, yeah, uh, in the yeah. indigenous community. And I, I was talking to my husband. We were talking of late, and I said, I sort of feel like, um, because some of the work that I've been doing, I've been lucky enough to to be working and partnering with individuals whose partners are indigenous peoples. Are, yeah. are, are, are and I was saying how about how beautiful the connections are to nature and to yeah. our ecosystem. Oh my gosh. And I was yeah. thinking about um. Uh, the movie Avatar, mm-hmm. and there's an image and a scene where their um their I think it's their hair like their tails, uh, connect to the actual ground, and then with that connection, when they all do it, there wow. ends up being this like energy level, and like yeah. in the movie, there's like these different colors, and it's just this sort of like almost like um a, a display of fireworks. But I, wow. I, I started thinking a lot about that in terms of our indigenous peoples and, and not just the, mm-hmm. the, 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 what we can learn um, along the lines of how they revere their elders, even, mm-hmm. you know, referring to them as elders and storytelling, but mm-hmm. also the, the systems thinking and connection to nature. Um, yes. Where when I then, you know, bringing us back to this idea about equality and equity and diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. the, the connections to human resource management or, or, or culture um, mm-hmm. or mental health and that at the end it's all connected and it is all connected yeah yeah, yeah. So, it is and, and so that's where you know uh, what I'm kind of flashing back to is what you said about um the the black woman on the panel that you were on that was speaking about her privilege mm-hmm. and so you know we make assumptions we make assumptions that oh well if there if I have a, a friend who is of Asian heritage she must have experienced discrimination or, you know, that, that black person must be a certain type of person. And the reality is not all women are the same. Not mm-hmm. all men are the same. Not all Canadians are the same. But we like to stereotype people. We like to, it's our way of, of kind of making sense of who people are, where they belong, where we belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we, we try to just step, step back from that, there's a really great TED Talk. I don't know if you've seen it or, or, or heard of the woman. She's, she's a wonderful author. Her name's Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. No, I and it's, Oh, you're going to have to watch it. It's amazing. So it's called The Danger of a Single Story. And she is uh, a woman who was uh, born and raised in Nigeria and went to school in the United States, went to university in the United States. And when she met her college roommate for the first time, the roommate said, oh, wow, your English is really good. And and so um, she said, well, thank you, but it's actually my first language. I was raised with English. <laughs> um, so we just make assumptions, you know, all oh, that person is from Nigeria. Therefore, they are not the same as us. Yeah. And they don't speak English. And she goes on to, to talk about some of her stereotypes she had, you know, growing up and reading uh, fiction from British authors. And so she didn't understand really why everybody was always remarking on the weather because in Nigeria, it's always sunny. Mm, well, <laughs> so, you yeah. know, it's, it, it, but it's just a wonderful perspective. It's a moment to take, per, to, 
uh, be curious about, it's a reminder to be curious about other people. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's something that I speak a lot about in my consulting work. We have a natural default to judge. It's a natural default that we have as human beings. But we can also kind of train our brains a little bit to be curious. So next time you notice that you're having a judge, you're judging somebody or something, shift to to curiosity. And so the example I will use is um, a couple of years ago when the Canadian government was changing the language in the national anthem to be gender neutral. Mm -hmm. So spoiler alert, I am (laughs) (laughs) pro-gender (laughs) neutral as a uh, diversity and inclusion uh, professional. And on Facebook, I saw that uh, somebody that I knew, an acquaintance that I was friends with, had posted about how she thought it was ridiculous. Why are we changing it? Let's just keep the language the same. And I'll tell you, Jody, I went up that ladder of inference so quickly mm. <laughs> to, well, why would she think this? She's a woman, blah, blah, blah. And I, I stopped myself. I thought, oh, my gosh, you're making a lot of assumptions about somebody you don't even really know very well. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I actually just messaged her and I said, hey, I'm just curious, what's your perspective on this? And she said, well, you know, I don't feel like I've ever been discriminated against as a woman and it's just not an issue for me. And so I think it's silly. And at the end of the day, you know what, Jody, we didn't change our opinions or our our viewpoints um, or our beliefs around that language, but we understood each other better. You know, and I think that's what we need to do more of in this world is just suspend judgment just for a moment. Just explore. What if I don't know everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? shock. laughs> like, spoiler alert. What? None yeah. of us do. <laughs> exactly. Spoiler alert. Nobody knows everything. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I love that. I, a good friend of mine, we were ta- chatting about all this stuff, uh, actually a play date with, the, with, um, with our sons. And she said, you know, maybe the word could just be acceptance. Like, yeah. you know, and, and respectful, yes. intelligent dialogue, um, getting that you're never always going to necessarily see or, or feel the same way. Yeah. Isn't that what diversity is? Mm-hmm. Um, intersectionality is if we're saying it's a yeah. fact for sure, we're all going to think and feel differently and that's yeah. okay. Um, and so why can't it just be having these dialogues, having these conversations in a way that still creates at least understanding um, uh-huh. with the hope that we're all trying for the same sort of goals, right? Like we're all, yeah. we're hoping for equity and, and equality and mm-hmm. the end of racism uh, as opposed to it looking as a dividing piece. I guess that's where I, I, yeah. I always go to is why do we have to keep looking at it as if it's dividing us? And maybe it sounds uh-huh. cliche or naive or maybe obvious, but it's like, yeah, I'm different than my friends. Okay, that's awesome. We're all awesome. And I yeah. want to see some cool stuff happen. You know, you mentioned light. We all have different lights that we might be going towards or different shades, uh-huh. but there are some uh-huh. some normal, not normal, I shouldn't say it that way, but aren't there some fundamental same lights that we're going towards? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, totally, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, you also mentioned that we're all different. Like, Let's stop minimizing differences. Let's actually recognize them and celebrate them. Like, why not, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's so much better. Let's call it out. It's, you know, whenever I hear somebody say, well, but I don't see color. <laughs> well, you should. You should see color because it's important. It's just like, you know, if we go back to, you know, you were talking about duty to accommodate. Mm-hmm. 
you know, in the workplace. Well, I don't see, it would be silly to say, well, I don't see people who use wheelchairs. Well, you should, because then you have a better understanding of how you can include them in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of goes to that, that piece around empathy, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've, yeah. Ha- I've had someone say that to me. I forget why we were chatting. We were chatting about something and I said something to him and he, he happens to be a white gentleman. And he said, oh, well, Jody, I don't see color. I never, you know, I just don't see it. And I said, that's fine, but maybe you should. And and he's like, yeah, yeah. He was, I never even thought of it that way. And it was, yeah. you know, I was yeah. sharing a personal story with him about that. And, and, it, and it wasn't a, 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 like a tragic one or anything. But I think I was sharing an insecurity that I had um, of what people think of me, especially when they see... Um, are, are hunching what my age is. They obviously see that I'm brown and I'm a woman. And, and I think I was sharing that. And then I think that's when he said, well, you know, I don't see, I, I, I'm just shocked and I, I don't see color. I might go, I kind of want you to, because then you'll understand yeah. more where I'm coming from. Exactly. <laughs> what, but what, can I just say, like, what a beautiful conversation that you had. Yeah, I mean, he's an like, really? incredible client, a, a real solid human being, honestly. So yeah. it was a, a, almost an easy dialogue. And he was really coming yeah. from a place of authenticity. Like, there was no BS with him. Like, he was just like, yeah. I don't see color. I'm like, you need to. And yeah, yeah. It, was, it was really great. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Well, there's a couple of things that you said that I really loved around. The, there is comfort in, I think we find comfort in making sense of things, you know. And so yeah. classifying yeah. or stereotyping although yeah. not healthy and then oftentimes quite detrimental it, mm-hmm. it maybe it's that sort of um equivalent to fight or flight it's like kind of our go-to it's yeah. like our innate yeah. way of of things and and when you were talking about the stereotypes i thought of uh, old, i don't know if you ever watched seinfeld are you a seinfeld fan yeah <laughs> i have a horrible memory though and i haven't yeah, seen it well, maybe, so <laughs> you know we're in a pandemic and we've got an eight and ten year old so we've been watching a lot of tv <laughs> We're, we're watching an episode where Jerry's, they're looking for a, um, a Chinese restaurant to go eat at. And, uh-huh. and he sees the post, uh, the postman and he, and he hits the postman on the shoulder because he doesn't see his face initially and says, oh, you must know, you must know where there's a good Chinese restaurant. And the, the, the post carrier turns around, happens to be Chinese oh. and says, well, why? Because I'm Chinese. I'll know where there's a good Chinese restaurant. <laughs> and, and it, so it's not necessarily stereotype per se, because yeah. Jerry's thinking you're a postman. You'll know all yeah. the addresses. But, yeah. you know, the, you know, so, and I don't even know if that was the intent of that small line or that storyline, yeah. but I, I yeah. just, I wanted to share that because I thought of that in terms of stereotyping. And then the other part around the, the TED talk that you mentioned, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. I definitely will watch it, but I, I did think of another TED talk that I saw of, um, American Ferrara, Ferrara. I don't know if I, oh, yeah, it was, I haven't seen that, but I like her a lot. She, yeah, she, it was a really great one. It was before I saw it before the pandemic. So last year sometime. And what I, there was something she said that, that triggered me when you were speaking where, where she was talking about being the Latina, uh, uh-huh. but she's born in America. I'm pretty sure. And, yeah. and part of the story she was saying was how, when she was trying out for roles, they would ask her to, to to do it in a Latina accent, or oh, and she would then s- yeah. speak like how she speaks, and then they right. said, "No, we want you to speak in a Latino accent." Oh. And she's like, "This is what I sound like." Like so, it was such yeah. an interesting, like the, there was such a beautiful story because of I think the layers and the intricacy of how she was sharing her yeah. experience of being an American. Um, yeah. And having that ethnic, ethnic background and how she was perceived and welcomed or not 
because of that, even in auditions. I yeah. just thought it was really interesting the way that she, she talked about yeah. that. Yeah, it's fascinating. There's a book that I just just ordered and just got in the mail, and I have uh, only started reading it. And it's about it's called Whistling Vivaldi, hmm. and I can't I don't have it in front of me, so I can't tell you the name of the author. But the premise is uh, it's it's a black author in the United States. He said that uh, walking in a neighborhood at night as a black man, he said people will look at him with fear in their eyes. Hmm. So he started whistling uh, either Vivaldi or Beatles tunes, mm-hmm. and it just shifted how people view him because they would go, they would think to themselves, "Oh, but he's whistling a happy tune, so he he must be safe." Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty interesting, and I mean, it it, it ties in with unconscious bias too, mm-hmm. and this idea of safety and uh, judgment. So we. And our brains, our brains are wired to make decisions really quickly because we have like thousands of bits of pieces of information that are coming at us in like every second. And it's this very small amount that we actually process. And so our brains need to figure out, are we safe or are we not? Mm-hmm. But the problem is, and sometimes that, that serves us. So for example, if you're hiking and run into a bear, you don't need to stop and figure out if the bear is friendly, if he's hungry, what, you know, what the situation is with the bear. But you know, when we when we fall prey to racial stereotypes mm-hmm. that are simply not true, that's where it's dangerous. And so that's when we have to start, you know, trying to reprogram our brains a bit or mm-hmm. to, to be able to stop and, and disrupt and mitigate our bias. Because you're right, it's that fight or flight. When you see the bear, <laughs> you know, you know that's dangerous. Yeah. But, you know, a, a person walking down the street, we shouldn't necessarily fear them just because of the, mm-hmm. the color of their skin. Like, yeah, absolutely. The I mean, context? the it's the it's the context. It's the possibly the conditioning. Um, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the climate that we're in, yeah. so many conversations around systemic racism. You know, I've seen folks saying, you know, the 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 system is broken. I've seen some people mm-hmm. say, no, it's totally fine. It's it's actually doing the way it was built. You know, so there's there's this idea yeah. around sort of how all of us have uh, um, are perceiving things and 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 that includes stereotypes or, or our conditioning or what we see on TV uh-huh. and um, what we believe to be the, um, true or not true based on stories that we hear um, and even to your point that that the book that you were you were referencing and, and the idea about what it's like as a black man to be walking um, and and what what the reaction would be and so he starts whistling I remember my brother watched um the doc i think it's a documentary i think it's called 13 um and i think it's about the the prison system in the u.s um with oh. and and i think it even is about racism and 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 uh-huh. and, and and for for black individuals in particular yeah. and he and he knows that i sort of sometimes try to live in a bubble for my own mental health reasons to be honest with you and but he, yeah so he said to me he was like, i don't know if you should watch it because i know what you how you get and so you may not want to but he said you know the one thing for me in terms of he didn't say the word empathy but that's what he meant so he's like you know i can't even imagine what it would be like to be a black man yeah. in the u.s yeah and he said yeah. holy you know he actually said holy shit yeah. like he just you know it was just yeah. such an eye-opener for her for him and he's an intelligent individual already and mm-hmm. sort of gets this space but it was that sort of, I guess it's that learning, right? The learning that we're yeah. all trying to do and maybe the unlearning 
Yes. Oh, I like that, Jody. Yeah. 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 It, it's yeah. You made me think of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book Blink when you were talking oh, about because yeah. he talks a yeah. lot. He talks about that, and I think in one of the one of the passages he talks about. Um, I don't know if it's real or not, but a police officer who's white who ends up shooting a black assailant of, you know, quote unquote assailant. Um, and uh-huh. that what 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 drew that instinct immediately versus um, yeah. not not. Yeah. And the your the examples you've shared and a bear versus not a, a black man mm-hmm. whistling or just walking, uh-huh. how powerful yeah. our stereotypes um, yeah. are in terms yeah. of governing our behavior. It's scary but maybe the unlearning piece is what makes it um hopeful i think so i I think that i think that we have an immense opportunity right now but we have to grab it and and so what that means is we have to set aside this need to feel constantly safe and comfortable and confident in in all of our beliefs Hmm. like i think humility will take us will take us far to understand that we don't know everything and our experiences shape us. The media that we consume shapes us. And so we need to be much more questioning about the world and, and seeking to understand another person's experience. Mm. Um, you know, there's a, a quote that I, I can't even remember where I read this, but I had to write it down. And so I've got it on a post-it note on my desk so I can look at it. And it's this, it says, are you willing to be wrong about your opinion on the world? Mm. Are you willing to be wrong about your opinion? I love that. Yeah. And, and so that for me, I think it's just, it's a bit of, um, it's a bit of a North star. Maybe it's a guiding question in that I just, I I keep coming back to being curious, Jody. I think that that is, you know, if we can, we could be curious and empathetic, um, and to just not be afraid to step into these conversations, you know, like I think that white people in particular, yes, be quiet, listen, but don't pull back from being part of the change. You know, like we need to, we, there's some, there's this great concept of everyday privilege, mm. you know, use your everyday privilege. And so when I was talking about amplifying voices, yeah, who are the, who are the diverse voices out there that maybe people aren't listening to who should, they should be listening to them. Yeah. And maybe I, as a, as a white woman, with, um, you know, a healthy network on social media, I can share some of these other voices. Well, that's the you idea know, uh, around that. And even yeah. when, and I loved what you said earlier around uh, all of us really um, listening more uh, uh-huh. or, or, or if you're not black, please listen more or, or, yeah. le- or learn more. Um, if you're not indigenous, learn more, read uh-huh. more. And there was uh-huh. a really, um, I think she's a comedian. And again, I'm not total social media savvy, which is why I'll pick up things and not always remember all the details, but there's a, I, I loved it cause she's, she's in her backyard and she's sort of like, it's not my job to sit there and, <laughs> and educate you. I've got my own yeah. stuff. I've got my own stuff and my own people stuff to deal with. And I just love totally. the way she, and she's a black woman, a black comedian. And I yeah. love the way she said that. And, and it was sort of like, cause there's so much coming at all of us, right. Yeah. At, at this point. Yeah. Um, and I really love what you said around finding safe spaces to have the conversations, mm-hmm. not being afraid. I, I've heard of friends yeah. and, and, and black people talking about how they have their own friends who are white, who aren't black, reaching out, asking, you know, what, what they can do. And it is some of the beautiful messaging that you've shared, which is listen more, read, you know, build your empathy, 
Um, don't be afraid yeah. to, 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 to recognize and say, I don't know and I want to know. Um, and, yeah. and the hope is that that's received with open arms because we are looking at humanity and solidarity. Yeah. And, and I think you're yeah. right. I think that we're, I think we're at a place, maybe it's one of those sort of tipping point places, or at least I hope, in terms of seeing some real change happen. Um, yeah, I, I hope so. And I'm optimistic about it. I, it's going to be hard. It's not going to happen overnight. None of this will. Um, but we have to keep chipping away at it. We have to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was going to ask you for final thoughts. And I feel like just before I um, said something, what you said sounded like really beautiful final thoughts. But I, I, I'd love to ask you that now at this point, if there was some sort of golden nuggets that you'd like to leave the audience with. Mm. Um based on everything that you've shared or the current climate or, you know, where you see our, 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 us going towards this light, um, what would you like to share as a, some ending thoughts? Oh boy. Uh, I, you know what? I have to go back to curiosity, Jody. I've just seen it. It's been transformational for me. Um, and I think that's a really important thing. And just be, just be curious about the world, about other people's experiences. Don't make assumptions. Um, and I do think it's really important, you know, don't expect another person to, to educate you on their experience Mm. for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, and and I would also say that sometimes if they've had, if they've had a significant life experience, it could be re-traumatizing for them to have to explain to you what their truth is and what their experience is. Mm. Um, and so I think, but it also, it, it, I think it also just puts, um, like we have an accountability, right? We all, I believe we all have a, a personal accountability to learn and then to do better and to be better. And so don't shift that accountability to somebody else and say, well, you tell me, you tell me what your experience was. I love that. You I know? love the accountability piece in terms of, um, just own it, own, own where you're yeah. at, own where you're at, love yourself for yeah. where you're at. And then yeah. see what you want to do with that. I, yeah. I love that. And I, it's speaking about sort of, um, I don't know what, but I, I really didn't like the fact that I wasn't sure of the, the author that I was talking about. So I just looked her up and it was the podcast with Brené Brown and Austin Channing Brown. Um, oh. Yeah. So she's uh, on Still huh. Here, Black Dignity in a World Made oh. for Whiteness. Yep. And so oh, I, I love that. I'm pretty sure it's Austin's Instagram that they then did that sort of follow-up yeah. amplification piece. And I thought That's it was great. a really neat story. And again, I thought of it because you mentioned the word amplification and, and, mm-hmm. and what you're hoping your role can be um, in this world in terms of how you can contribute and, and by that contribution, how that will serve your own life purpose based on um, the real candid story you shared around mental health and depression and um, I'm a huge advocate for mental health for my own and mental health reasons. Um, in addition to having people close in my life who have had depression and other pretty um, debilitating mental health issues. And so I want to thank you for, um, they have that semicolon symbol and, and and I just don't, I don't know if that's where you were at in terms of your depression, but I I thought of that when you were sharing. And so I wanted to thank you because that semicolon matters and it's important and, and you're a symbol, yeah. you're a symbol of, of what can happen moving forward when you are in dark places. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you for oh, sharing thanks, your, your expertise and, and, and that we did this. I was so, I was like, yes, finally it's confirmed. We'll talk. And so thank <laughs> you. 
Thank you for your time and for your, uh, your my insights. Pleasure. Yeah, it was really great.